Good evening, everybody. Always very happy to see people at a watch night service as we ring in the new year in a different way, an own special Methodist way. Um, despite the, the certainty that at the end of every watch night service there will be Teochew Mui, <laughs> the end of a year is usually a time of uncertainty. What will the new year bring? Especially given the way uh, this old year is ending. On one hand, it is the end of an era, with Pastor Melvin retiring. <laughs> Things won't be the same. You know, I encountered Pastor Melvin way back in the 1990s when he conducted courses for my local preacher's license. He taught me two courses then, one on cults and the other on Methodism. I still remember during the Methodism course, one fellow stood up in the middle of the class and complained that we are Christians, we should be talking about Christ, why are we focusing so much on John Wesley? And I got very irritated. I mean, it was a course on Methodism. <laughs> but I remember Pastor Melvin just chortled, and he answered the man gently. And that struck me that he was able to give a kind answer in that situation. And I thought, wow, that's very pastoral. It's true. <laughs> and since I entered ministry, Pastor Melvin has been a good friend and mentor. He has given me very good advice the many times I've asked. He's always a phone call or a message away. And he taught me that ambition for high ecclesiastical office is itself a disqualification. He said he was quote, quoting the Irish poet Thomas Moore. I've since found out that's not entirely correct. <laughs> and on the rare occasions when I have grumpily received some of Pastor Melvin's unsolicited comments that I disagree with, I'm still very grateful for them because I know he's just looking out for me. I'm sad that he is retiring, but I feel very happy and confident about the future. Firstly, because Pastor Anthony is taking over. Young, vibrant, passionate, godly. I'm looking forward to his stewardship of our church. Secondly, because in a very short while, when Pastor Melvin's retirement takes effect at the stroke of midnight, he becomes an elder attached to our church on 1st January 2019. Yes, but I've been an elder attached here since January 2015, which means that for the first time in my life and ministry in this church, I am senior to Pastor Melvin. As his senior, who knows? Maybe now I can mentor him. <laughs> hey, don't be so proud. Lah. But on the other hand, you read the papers, so many things going on these days. Forest fires, earthquakes, volcano eruptions, wars, terrorism. These are not new. 
But they're so usual now that we may have become desensitized to bad news and used to even terrorism. Two weeks ago before Christmas, I was on holiday in Italy. And what struck me was that in every square and plaza I visited, in front of all the cathedrals, at the winter markets, there were soldiers and armoured cars. It's almost expected these days that there will be a terrorist attack somewhere in Europe during Christmas. And there was indeed a shooting in Strasbourg. With days like these, what will the future be like? And so with an eye on the future, I've chosen for tonight's reading, Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. It is a familiar passage about the sheep and the goats. In fact, this is part of a very long conversation Jesus had with his disciples of what was going to happen in their future. The Sermon on the Mount and this long conversation in Matthew's Gospel account are primarily about the challenges in Jesus' day and the days to come. So beginning in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus told his disciples first that the temple will be destroyed. Then he told them about the signs of the end of the age. He talked about the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, of the coming of the Son of Man. He said, no one knows the day and the hour of the coming of the Son of Man. So he advised his disciples to be watchful and hardworking. He gave them the parable of the ten virgins or bridesmaids who were supposed to wait for the bridegroom. But five fell asleep and they missed the marriage feast. Then Jesus also told them the parable of the talents about a man who went on a journey and entrusted his servants with the property until his return. And so as part of this whole conversation about what is going to happen in the future, we come here to verse 31. Let me read it out to you. And Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry or feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When do we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. 
sick and in prison, and you did not visit me? Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of God. Come, let us pray. And so, Father, as we look to your word now, speak to all our hearts and give us understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, a lot of people think that this passage in Matthew chapter 25 is about how Christians should treat other people. We should look out for those who are hungry, to feed them, the thirsty, to give them drink, the naked, to clothe them, to visit the sick and those in prison. But this passage cannot be about that, because here the punishment for those who do not do that is to be cast into the eternal fire. It says so here in verse 41, He shall say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire. Eternal punishment. But Christians who do not minister to the least are not cursed and will not be damned into any eternal fire. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace we have been saved through faith. We are not saved through good works. Of course, Christians should feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit the sick and those in prison. But that's not what this passage is about. This passage is also not about dividing the Christians from the non-Christians, because the non-Christians also do good deeds. They feed the hungry, they visit the sick. That's not what this passage is about either. But taken as part of that long conversation Jesus was having with his disciples about the future, this passage is really about justice. Justice. And we all long for justice. Maybe we can't define it precisely. And justice is not simply about putting criminals in prison or punishing evil. It's also about fairness, about proper treatment of people, about what is morally right, about making things right. Jews and Christians and some others believe that justice comes from God and that God is just and he will judge everyone. And we expect that when Jesus comes again, there will be justice for everyone. In this passage tonight, we get to see how God's justice will be exercised. But first, when Jesus says, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, who are the brothers and sisters of Jesus? Who is he talking about? It is the family of Jesus the family of God, the body of Christ. It is us. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 50, Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister. That's us, the people of God. And so the likely meaning of this passage is, Jesus will judge the people in the world also in terms of how they treat Christians. 
And this is not meant to puff us up or make us arrogant. It is meant to comfort the disciples of Christ. Because Jesus said to his disciples earlier that a lot of bad things will happen in the future. The temple will be destroyed, for example. He said in chapter 24, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famine and earthquakes in various places. Then he said to his disciples, they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But here in chapter 25, Jesus also says, in the end, justice will be done. The disciples will be vindicated. All their work will be celebrated. All will be judged. Jesus is already watching us and he sees our troubles. Now in Singapore, we Christians may not have much trouble. But elsewhere in the world, according to Open Doors, a Christian NGO that monitors persecution of Christians, every month throughout the world, 255 Christians are killed. 104 are abducted. 180 Christian women are raped, sexually harassed, or forced into marriage. 66 churches are attacked and 160 Christians are detained without trial and imprisoned every month just for being Christian. We read only bits about this in the newspapers. Churches being closed, crosses being taken down, people being forced to convert. But we don't have the full picture. Jesus sees everything. He launched us into our mission into the world and he sees what we go through as we do the will of God. And in the end, he will make things right. That's what this passage is about. It is to give us boldness to do the will of God. And so as we enter a new year, let us resolve to do the will of God and usher in his kingdom. This must be a constant effort because we are all imperfect beings. I have many failings. I remember in my ordination interview, Pastor Melvin, as registrar of the Board of Ministry, asked me, what is my biggest failing? And I said to him, my biggest failing is, I am too humble. <laughs> if I wasn't so humble, I'd be perfect. But I was only joking. I have many failings. My wife calls me irascible. It was just another way of saying I get very grumpy and impatient. I try and fail many times, and I need to continually turn to the Lord. We all do. But beyond building Christian character, we must fulfill our mission in the world to make Christ known. We don't just do this through evangelism, but also through altruism, by showing others the selfish, selfless, sorry, selfless, agape love of God. Selfless, agape love of God. The kingdom of God is here. How will others experience it? 
2019, I urge you to be more involved in the outreach efforts of our church to show love to our community. Amokyo Methodist Church is involved in many projects. You can help us. Or you can do it your own private way. Three days ago, I read the story of Alan Nyman, who died earlier this year in Seattle from cancer. He was a thrifty social worker who lived a very simple lifestyle. He repaired his shoes with duct tape, for example. It turns out he lived frugally so he could give his wealth to others. He worked two or three jobs at the same time, even though he had inherited money from his parents and he had left a lucrative banking career 30 years before to become a social worker. Alan Nyman left $15 million to six charities when he died. What a good example for us. As we enter into our covenant renewal ritual, let our New Year resolution be to live that others may know the love of Jesus because we are his disciples. Let us do the will of God, knowing that there will be justice for us, justice for everyone in the end. Amen. Come, let us pray. Father, we thank you for your love for all of us. We thank you that you watch over your disciples. You see what we go through and that you will make all things right in the end. So help us commit to you as your people, as your disciples, to do your will and to live for you and for others so that others may see you in us. And we pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.